This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. When we opened with uh, prayer today, our brother who was presiding finished his prayer with words which were along the lines of through our Lord Jesus Christ. We offer this prayer through our Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and we frequently hear people who finish their prayers in this manner, don't we? And, and what do they mean? Where does this come from? Well, that person obviously believes that the Lord Jesus is, is mediating our prayers, presumably in heaven, at the right hand of, of his Father. But, but what does it mean in practice? Does our Lord hear our prayers and then repeat them to the Father? Or does the Father himself hear our prayers? And if the Father does hear prayer, what, what is the Lord Jesus doing in this action at the right hand of his Father? Is, is his involvement necessary? Well, two essential points can be made immediately from this. Yes, our Father does hear the sincere prayer of the faithful. This has uh, been in the past and, and will be the subject of many lectures which are, are, are given, um, I, I normally say in this hall, but obviously that's not the case in this situation, in the hall next door at Ormskirk Christelphians. Uh, and, and those of us who are looking for such things can see the Lord God's hands in our lives each and every day. But that's not our subject for this afternoon, so we'll, we'll leave that part of this there. The other essential point is that the Lord Jesus is our mediator, who is sat at the right hand of his Father. And the role of Jesus is absolutely necessary. Just look at what we read in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. For there is one God, and one mediator between God and men, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I must confess that there was an extremely good article in the the Christophia magazine about three three months ago, which, which covered this subject. So if you see some similarities, it made a very good framework. I'm not reinventing the wheel here. I'd like us just to look at this passage in context, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Let's just start in verse 1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. That's really interesting. The reason that's really interesting to me is that the exhortation here that prayers be made for all in authority, that a peaceable life would be enjoyed by the, the baptised believers um, is made against the background of a riot. Acts chapter 19 and verses 28 to 41 tells us all about that. There was a riot at Ephesus where Timothy was when he received this letter. So the fact that it uses words like peaceable and quiet would have been a real contrast to what he had been experiencing. And in verse 1 again, The Apostle Paul urges prayers to be made for kings. 
people in authority over us. Well, who was in authority at this point? It was the Emperor Nero, 54 to 68 AD. The Emperor Nero was incredibly cruel. He was probably responsible for the death of the Apostle Paul. He blamed the great fire of Rome, AD 64. We all know that, don't we, from history. He blamed it on those who followed the Lord Jesus Christ. And they bore the results of his wrath. Also, he was a homosexual. He was in that class of people that is condemned by the Apostle Paul in in chapter 1 and verse 10. And and Paul truly obeyed the words of the Lord Jesus and, and left a glowing example for all of us to follow, didn't he? And that's the background to this passage. It's it's fascinating, isn't it? Look at verse 2 again. There's that that request there. We've already already talked about it, haven't we? That that there's a peaceable life to be granted us by the authorities. It's a regular request, isn't it, of the Apostle Paul. And, And the fact that he makes this point on more than one occasion demonstrates the need to pray in this manner on a regular basis. Of course we should thank God for the the measure of freedom that that we have. It's not appropriate to simply ask for things and not to thank him for giving us those things that we ask for. The passage continues. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Saviour, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. The Lord is willing for all men, not just a select few, all men and women to be saved. Ties in with 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, doesn't it? Is this our attitude also? Or are we selective to whom we preach to? Or, or, or do we think those people are suitable to approach with the gospel message? All men and women. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So let's just think about this now. What is a mediator? Well, the concise Oxford Dictionary tells us that to mediate is to form connecting link between or to intervene between two persons For the purpose of reconciling them. It's an action of bringing two parties together. And from the perspective of what we're looking at this afternoon, we can see that the Lord Jesus Christ is the the connecting link between God and man. We're told in Romans chapter 4. Just turn there if you would, please. Romans chapter 4 and verse 25. This is confirmed by the Apostle Paul, isn't it? Romans chapter 4 and verse 25. We're told that Jesus was delivered for our offences and was raised again for our justification. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. To put it very simply, 
the Lord Jesus Christ had not risen, we would not have access to God. And we frequently come across another term uh, in, in a, a similar context, and it's, it's the term intercessor. And let's just go through the same method. The, uh, the, 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 the concise Oxford Dictionary puts an intercessor uh, as one to interpose on behalf of another, to plead with one person for another. And to this we could perhaps add, especially by prayer. That's my own addition. And these are very helpful and, and scripturally accurate definitions that the, uh, the Oxford Dictionary gives us. And so you, I think you can see how close these terms, mediator and intercessor, are. Now, to gain a, a Bible understanding of this subject, uh, we, we've got to start in the Old Testament. Let's go all the way back to Genesis chapter 14, if you would please, where, where possibly the first mediator that we encounter um, is, is there, and it's, it's a, um, a character called Melchizedek. Genesis chapter 14 and verses 18 and 19. Now, in the preceding verses... There is a battle where Abram saves his, his nephew Lot and he encounters firstly the, the king of Sodom who offers Abram great riches but Abram refuses these. And Abram then encounters Melchizedek who is the king of a place called Salem. Melchizedek, this is verse 18 of Genesis 14, king of Salem brought forth bread and wine and he was the priest of the most high God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. Names mean a great deal in the Bible. And you can find out a lot about a person from the name that they have been given. Uh, It's funny, in our family, I've got an older brother and an older sister, My sister is Sarah. Sarah means princess, uh, which she milked an awful lot. My brother is Neil. Neil means champion, which he also milked an awful awful lot. My name is Paul, and Paul means small, which they milked an awful lot. However, Melchizedek, what does that mean? Melchizedek means king of righteousness. While Salem means peace. Melchizedek was both king of Salem... He was king of peace, and this was the ancient name of the city of Jerusalem. And so Melchizedek met Abram, gave him bread and wine, blessed Abram, and Abram gave him tithes, a tenth of his belongings. And that was it. Or was it? Yes, if we stop in Genesis, but we need more scripture than just that. And the ideal place to turn to is is back to the letter of Hebrews. Go to Hebrews chapter 7, if you would, please. Hebrews chapter 7. And verses 1 through to 3. And we find, firstly, the author of Hebrews summarising the account of Melchizedek in Genesis. It's Hebrews 7 and verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, 
who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Melchizedek is not, is categorically not the Lord Jesus Christ in any form. But he did resemble him. To say that Melchizedek is without father, without mother, without descent, and so on, merely means that his ancestry is not recorded within the scripture. Again, having neither beginning of days nor end of life simply means that it wasn't recorded in the scriptures. He appears in Genesis 14 and then disappears again from the narrative. The letter to the Hebrews views Melchizedek as an ordinary man who was a type or a foreshadowing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And and in this way, Melchizedek is comparable to the eternal high priesthood of the Lord Jesus. And and Hebrews chapter 5 and verses 1 to 4 explains the link of a priest as a mediator. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 1. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins, who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is composed with infirmity, and by reason hereof he ought as for the people, so also for himself, to offer for sins. And no man taketh this honour unto himself, for but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. The primary reference here as to the work of the high priest on the, the Day of Atonement, the, the, the one day of the year when a priest entered into the most holy place to atone for the sins of the people and to intercede for them. Just look at verses 5 and 6. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And this last section is a direct quote from Psalm 110 and verse 4. And it it can't be any plainer. You are a priest, a mediator, an intercessor in the order of Melchizedek. And that's what Melchizedek did. Another example of a mediator in in the Old Testament is Moses. And, And he really stands out in this role. He was led by the pillar of cloud, wasn't he? And and the the pillar of fire. And the Hebrews arrived at Mount Sinai. And they are given the Ten Commandments. Turn to Exodus chapter 20, if you would, please. Exodus chapter 20. And verse 19. And here is a, a... A terrible sight that left the people fearful of what what might happen. And when the Lord God spoke, they fled. 
And they were saying to Moses in verse 19, Speak thou with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. The people are nominating Moses here as a mediator on their behalf. And this became the pattern of their relationship with the Lord God of Israel. Move on to Exodus 32 and verse 31. Exodus 32 and verse 31. And this is on their sin in in, in causing Aaron to make the golden calf while Moses was was absent on the mount. Look at at verse 31 where Moses prays to God and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not blot me, I pray thee out of thy book, which thou hast written. Moses is pleading with the Lord God on behalf of the people. And he is prepared to take part in the punishment which was to be given to the people. And just look at verse 6 of Exodus 34. Here the Lord God reveals his glory to Moses. Exodus 34 and verse 6. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. And, and it's these characteristics of God that makes Moses' mediatorship successful. And interestingly, Moses, like the Lord Jesus Christ, could go and in and, and, and speak to the Lord God whenever it was necessary. Go back to chapter 25 of Exodus. Exodus 25 and verse 21. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark, and in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee, and there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are upon the ark of the testimony, of all things which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. And on such occasions, Moses heard a voice speaking from the mercy seat. I'd just like us to turn now to Isaiah and 59. Isaiah 50, chapter 59. We're going to read verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> Isaiah 59 and verses 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. It's very simple, isn't it? It is sin that alienates us from the Lord God. Therefore, the Lord Jesus, because he did not sin, although he could have had he wished to, he could rightly say, I and my Father are one. John chapter 10, verse 30. The same to which Paul alludes to in Galatians, and subsequently 
the role of intercessor passes to Aaron the high priest and so on. Just turn back to Hebrews in chapter 7, if you would please. Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews tells us an awful lot about this, uh, this subject that we have today. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 11. The reason I'd want us to turn here is because the, uh, since the passing of the law under which perfection was not possible, we have this mediator who is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Verse 11. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? Move on to verse 19. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God. And inasmuch as not without an oath he was made priest, for those priests were made without an oath, but this was an oath by him that said unto him, The Lord swear and will not repent. Thou art a priest for ever after the order of Melchizedek. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And so to summarise so far, the Lord God does hear the individual prayers of his servants. It is, it is not necessary that the mediator repeats our prayers to him. But what we can say is that mediatorship involves a mediator representing his people before their God by praying on their behalf and interceding for them when appropriate. In Hebrews, the Apostle Paul talks about the superiority of the priesthood of Christ over that of the law. Turn to Romans chapter 8 and verses 26 and 27. That helps us to understand what, what Paul means. Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> And verse 26. Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit. Because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Many take Paul's words to mean that when we are so troubled that we are unable to express a coherent prayer, the groanings of our mind or our spirit intercedes for us and is accepted as a prayer. Now, without denying that God can and and probably does do this when we are in extreme distress, I don't think that is necessarily what Paul is saying here. Let me explain Go back to chapter 8 and verse 34 of Romans. And then we read it there of, of Christ, who is even at the right hand of God, who maketh intercession for us. There is no other mediator who can make intercession for believers. 
especially not people like Mary, who is said by some to be the mother of God, or, or dead saints which are appointed by the church, or, or even the Pope. And this is confirmed by the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy 2 and verse 5, where he describes Christ as the one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus. There is only one person who could do that job of a mediator. He also states in Hebrews chapter 7 that the Lord Jesus ever liveth to make intercession for them. And in Hebrews 9 and verse 25 that he has entered into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. John chapter 12 and verses 27 and 28, if you would please. Gospel of John chapter 12. This gives an example of the mental anguish caused by extreme distress in the Lord Jesus' thoughts as he faced his impending crucifixion. He says in verse 27, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from out of this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. So in the greatest distress of mind and unsure what to pray, there is still clarity to know that God's will must be done and that we can say, thy will be done. And the progression of thought in Romans chapter 8 cannot be overlooked. There, there are three references there in Romans 8 to groanings and they're, they're all linked. In Romans 8 and verse 22, creation groans because of the consequences of, of sin in the beginning. In Romans 8 and verse 23, we ourselves also groan, waiting for the redemption of our body. And then in Romans 8 and verse 26, the Spirit, Christ who makes intercession for us, also groans or sighs with words that cannot be uttered because we are not privy to what passes between Father and Son on our behalf. That our Lord Jesus does make intercession for us in this way is confirmed by John when he, he says in 1 John 2 and verse 1, And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So let's bring our thoughts then to a conclusion. Despite our infirmities, despite our weaknesses during sufferings and, and severe trial, when when we don't know what to ask, being uncertain of our Father's will in the case, the Lord Jesus Christ is our intercessor, our mediator. He adds his own representation to the Father for us. We do not know, and therefore we cannot utter what passes between them, not being privy to their private conversation. What we do know is that Whatever passes between them, our Lord makes intercession to his Father according to his Father's purpose with us, which he knows 
but we do not. We can rest assured, however, that whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Not for his own pleasure, but for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. So let's conclude with the verse from Hebrews chapter 4. Let us come boldly, let us come confidently unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, videos, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirtchristadelphians.org.uk. Thank you.